I Believe. This is Pastor Nicole, and I want to take time to invite you to a very special time of reflection on Good Friday, April 7th. It's going to be running from 4 to 8, and you already know that if you were here last year, it's amazing, and you've got to come back for another chance. We've changed some of the stations around, and we're putting a little different spin on it, but it's for you and the whole family. So be sure and bring them. You can come at any time from 4 to 8 and walk through at your pace. It's something to enjoy for the entire family. And there's one station that might be a little too much for younger kids, and we've got something especially for them too. Please come on out and enjoy this time. I know you're gonna love it. Hey, I want to remind you about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we have two services, seven o'clock, that's a miracle and a communion service. And I'll tell you, I'm expecting God to see miracles that Sunday. I want you to bring the sick, those that are hopeless, those that are helpless, and let's see what God will do in a time that we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That is on Easter at seven o'clock. And then we have Panera bread that's going to be serving a continental breakfast uh, for us in between services. Then at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a great celebration of Jesus's resurrection. So please come out and be a part of it. I'm looking forward to being with you and celebrating our Savior's victorious resurrection. Well, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How's everyone doing? We survived the great storm of, of April. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was actually looking real forward to it, and then I was real let down. But we're so happy you're here at church. Welcome to church, all of you live streamers. Welcome online. Hope you're nice and cozy in your homes. Hit that share button to let someone know you're watching tonight. I only got one thing for you tonight. I want to remind you that home groups, which are normally the second Sunday of the month, will obviously not be the second Sunday this month because that's Easter. That's this coming Sunday. But it'll be moved to the third Sunday. So if you are involved in a home group, be sure to show up on the third Sunday of the month. Right? All righty. Well, if you would stand to your feet tonight, we're going to get into worship. And I want to encourage you. I was reading the Word today and in Hebrews I read the scripture where it talks about offering God a sacrifice of praise. And I, if I'm going to be real honest with you, being out in the congregation, which I get to be a part of on Wednesday nights, sometimes when I'm out there, it's not a sacrifice for me to praise. Sometimes it's just, oh, okay, I'll praise God tonight. This is great. It's different when it's up here, but when I'm out there, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll praise God. Cool. That sounded good. Oh, I like that. But you see, I want to be found obedient to the word and obedient to the Lord. And I want to offer a sacrifice. And what does that mean? It's going to cost me something. We're in Easter week, we're in the Passion Week where Jesus sacrificed his life and it cost him everything. How selfish of me to not say, oh, I can't bring a sacrifice tonight of praise. I can't sacrifice a little more of my selfishness, a little more of myself and give God everything tonight because he deserves it. Amen? So tonight when you worship, 
put in your brains tonight that we are gonna bring a sacrificial praise, not a normal praise, not the praise we've always done, not an easy praise, but a praise that costs me something tonight because it's the very least I can do. It's the very least I can offer up, amen? So Father, tonight, Lord, we as your church tonight come and say, we will offer a sacrifice of praise tonight, Lord, with all that we are. Father, in spirit and in truth tonight, Father, we will come to worship you, magnify you, lay our selfishness and our pride and our flesh at the altar tonight, Lord. But we are awake, we are alive and moving tonight, and we are awake in the spirit, and we've come to worship you. We've come to magnify you we've come to exalt your name because there's no one like you there's no one like you so tonight Lord inhabit the praises of your people inhabit our praises tonight in Jesus mighty name amen Grave behind me 
shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Grave behind me, shake the dust off, run to Jesus. Fresh wind, the fresh. 
fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out pour your spirit out because we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence pour your spirit out 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 pour your spirit sing this out tonight let all the tonight oh we need a fresh wind because we need a fresh oh yes the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour it out oh come holy spirit 
a big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for all that he's done for us. We can never become unthankful. Hallelujah. Well, my name uh, is Randy Manns, uh, better known as uh, Papa Randy, or actually just Papa now. So uh, not Grandpa, Papa. Don't make that mistake. My grandson, who's 18, made that mistake when he got old enough to say grandpa. And I said, listen, Gavin, I am papa. I'm not old enough to be your grandpa. To this day, you know, I text him every night. To this day, he responds back, night, papa. 
So he understands. He recognized. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I asked God. I said, God, what do you want me to talk about tonight? I just don't want to get up here and talk for the heck of it. And uh, he said, expectation. You know, and I had to ask myself, am I in expectation mode? Or does my life speak of expectation in the area of tithing and giving? Well, the definition of expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. And we also know in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, faith, hope, and love abide. So really, what Bible hope is, is expectation. This is my definition of uh, Bible hope. Now, I've taken pastor and some other pastors, and I've added a the and an is in there, so I, I can claim part of this, okay? <laughs> it's fervently expecting with joy for God to fulfill his promise. I added the with, so just let you know. So we don't have to be sad when we're expecting God to fulfill a promise that he said he would manifest in our life. Amen. We don't have to be sad and our lip hanging down and, and, and all that, but no, with joy. So I thought, well, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. And I thought, who better than the father of hope? You know, Abraham was definitely a hopeless person as far as being a, uh, a father with, with his wife. I mean, he had tried. He was 100 years old and she was 90 and, and then received the promise from God. That's a kind of a hopeless situation. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. See, he, he spoke the promise. Well, I'm asking you, are you speaking the promise? Luke 6.38, Malachi 3.10. Are you speaking the promises when it comes to tithe and offering daily in your life? Let's look at verse 18. It says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. See, when you speak the promise of God, hope will come. Expectation will come. Amen? And it'll make dead things come alive. It, it'll turn things around in your life. Your finances might be dead, but as you speak that promise, it, it will come alive. Expectation will come. Verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, he didn't, he didn't look at circumstances. He didn't look at his checkbook. Not sure if he had one or not, but he didn't look at his bank account. He didn't, you know, too many times, I, I wrote this down, too many times we try to place the manifestation of the promise or into our own hands. We try to downgrade or humanize the promise if we, you know, what we can do with our own two hands. Now, I do believe there's things you can do with your own two hands. We need to work. But, you know, verse 16 said it's grace, faith through grace. It's faith through the power of God. Not our power, but His power. Amen? Look at verse uh, 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He praised God. Are you praising God daily? That's a question you need to ask. Verse 21. 
and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. See, as you speak the promise, dead things come alive, expectation comes. You don't look at your own hands or what you can do. You praise God and you will become fully persuaded. What is fully persuaded? Fully persuaded definition is when a person is fully persuaded of something, he cannot be convinced that it is any other way than the way that he believes it is. And that no evidence to the contrary will budge him from his belief. Would you say that again one more time? Yes, I will. Fully persuaded. When a person is fully persuaded of something, he cannot be convinced that it is any other way than the way that he believes it is. And that no evidence to the contrary will budge him from his belief. So I ask you tonight, are you in the mode of expectation? Let us pray. And if you could bring the buckets. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to expect. And I do believe, God, that we are in a season, God, that you want us to expect you to do the impossible in our finances. God, you want us to have a spirit of expectation, God, so that you can bless us. And, and God, that we can bless the ministry and that we can win souls. And God, we, we can give. And, and Lord, you give back to us and we give and you give back to us, God. Now, Lord, I just thank you for it. Prosper everybody as they give tithe and give tonight, God. And Lord, let them start expecting daily for you to manifest the promise that you said you would do as we gave and tithe. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... of the Lord with all of you hump days. It's hump day. Isn't nobody excited about that? Like the weekend's almost here, right? This was one week maybe Jesus wasn't excited that it was hump day though, if you got to think about it. Like he knew what was coming, right? He knew Friday was coming. Oh, but Sunday was on the way. That made hump day all worth it because Sunday he arose. I'm excited about this week. It's a big week in the church. It's a big week in our family. It's a big week in our salvation. Amen? A good time to remember and just to reflect on what it is. If you don't have plans on Friday night for Good Friday, you need to come on out to the church. The staff will be here all day tomorrow. We're excited. We're setting up rooms. We had to wait through um, small groups tonight because we can't decorate because we needed them to go off without a hitch. But tomorrow we begin the process of putting these rooms together so that you can have a reflective experience about Jesus and what he went through 
that week. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to really enjoy it. You get a few little takeaways from tomorrow night or, or Friday night. If you have kids, bring them out too. Don't worry. We got interactive stuff for them as well. It's, a, it's not as um, uh, tough on them as the adults, but it's a little softer. Pastor Randy made sure of that. All right, so let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word tonight, all right? Father, we just come before you, and Lord, we just give ourselves to you tonight. Father, we give you our minds. We give you ourselves. Father, we just surrender, Father, everything to you tonight. God, we ask, Lord, that we would hear what is being said. We ask that it would fall into our hearts, Father, and, and, and take root in some ground, Father, that the enemy would not steal it from us when we leave. Father, that we would not be unfaithful with what we hear, but Lord, we would be faithful to carry it to fruition, Father, that your word as it goes out, it will not return void. Father, in our lives, Father, bring it to its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, so tonight I want to continue speaking um, about sanctification. Pastor Randy started it last week. We'd been talking about sin before, a couple weeks of that. Then we went into some worsening and how sin can worsen in your life if you ignore it. And then Pastor Randy took it into sanctification last week. He gave us a really good explanation of what sanctification was. And the bottom line is, is whether we like it or not, sanctification is a process. I know I've said this before, but it's a process of becoming holy. Sanctification, the process of becoming holy, of living a holy lifestyle, holiness. You've heard of the holiness movement. What they tried to do was do everything perfect. Well, I'd like to see how that worked because last time I tried to become perfect, I didn't do a real good job at it. So I enjoy that there's a process to becoming holy and it's not just one day I wake up and I have to be holy, right? The problem is, is that we have become a now society, a generation that wants it now. We can't even wait for longer than five minutes in a drive-thru or we think that's bad because we are impatient or we know someone who can get it faster, do it quicker. We want tires on our car within 30 minutes and in and out the door. We don't even want to have to drop it off and come back to get it. We want them to do it while we wait. And if we wait too long, we're frustrated we had to wait too long and we write a bad review. Am I right? So the word process has become, oh, you mean I got, oh. Number one problem in our house, if I say, well, honey, it's a process. Randy's like, that's a cuss word. We're not talking about that in this house. Why? Because we're a hasty generation. We're hasty people. There's things I don't mind waiting for, but there's things I don't like to wait for, right? Sanctification is a lifelong process, lifelong. And it will take us a lifelong process to complete. And even when at the end of our lives, there's a sanctifying process after this life that you and I can't do for ourselves. Christ did it in the beginning. He's doing it, the Holy Spirit, while we wait. And in the end, there's another sanctifying process in the end. It's how it works. You cannot avoid it. So you might as well just fall on into the process. Paul writes in the Bible, he says, not that I've already obtained everything that's good, but I press on to take a hold of that which Christ has for me. Looking ahead, not looking behind, right? So sanctification is you can't get caught up in the things that you're not doing right. You got to choose what is right 
As you learn along the way, forget about what you didn't choose right and just keep pressing towards the things that are right. And you're still going to get a whole lot of things wrong. Right? I think sometimes that's one of the things that we get caught up in. The process of someone's life will look different than mine. But see, sometimes as Christians, this is what we do. We forget about how long it took us to become who we are today. We forget that I've been saved since I was age five. I'm now 50. 45 years of my life has it taken me to be able to say I choose right situations almost all the time. Did you hear me? Almost all the time. And then as I learn along the way, I figure out that there were some things I wasn't doing right that I wish I could go back and undo. But like Paul, I can't look back and say, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, if I only did. No, I'm gonna press towards the forward things. I'm gonna keep my mind on what I do choose that's right. And that's you and I. But when we look at others, we can't expect them to be us. And we can't become frustrated when we don't see them growing and sanctifying in the same areas you and I are sanctifying in. Now, there are things that scripture just flat out tells us that we're to be sin free of, right? And yes, if you see your brother in error, that means a Christian, you see them in error that please do not go up to somebody you do not know without a relationship and say, no, I saw this and I want you to know. That's not the way this works. You don't have a voice in my life unless you know me and you have a relationship with me. And if you think that there's something wrong in my life, David, Sharon, you could come over and say, Pastor Nicole, we need to have lunch. I'd say, okay, well, let's have lunch. And then you could say, you know what? When you did this, this hurt me. And we think this is wrong. Or this is what you've been doing. This is what you've been saying. You treated this person. I'm gonna hear you. You wanna know why? Because I know you love me. I know you want the best for my life. I know you want me to go to heaven. And when we're in the air, I'm waving. I'm here. But oftentimes we like to stick our nose into other people's lives in the area of sanctification because we're not happy with the process. We think their process is taking too slow, right? So I have an example for you. I'm gonna be honest with you. When I was younger, I was just waking up in the morning and trying to not sin. I would put my feet on the ground and before I went to school, I was a high schooler, I would say, today I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna cuss, and I'm not gonna cheat in math or history. I'm not gonna do it. And every day that math test would come, I would fail the test and I would cheat off my neighbor. She was smart, Angie was smart. She always got an A and my eyes would just wander because I know I needed to pass that test. And I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't. I knew I was gonna get kicked off the track team and I knew I was gonna get corrected at home. That's just all there is to it. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. In my family, it didn't come easy. Just let me say that. Scholastics did not come easy. But here's the point, as I began to mature in my walk with Christ, in reading the word, in attending church, in walking with the Lord, in putting people around me that had good influence in my life, I stopped cussing, I stopped lying, I stopped cheating, and I began to accept that I'm just not that smart, I just gotta get by 
in these classes, right? I just got to get through them. So I started asking for extra credit. I asked if I could come in after school and dust Mrs. Fark's books. Yes, her name was Fark with a K. I just want to state that very clear. She was a wonderful teacher. I loved her. She caught me cheating and still gave me another chance to grade everyone's test in the class after I had altered them all and made them A's. Only my friends. I was not a good student. My point is, is as I began to mature, I put away those former things because I began to mature and grow in the faith. But then I came a young woman and my mind started rolling different. Then I started having negative thoughts. I started having thoughts that were not my own. So then I had to learn to control and wrap in these thoughts that were not mine. But when I was 15 and 17, I wasn't having those thoughts. I was just having sheer breakouts of sin, right? And then I turned into a woman. And one day I was cleaning my 900 square foot home every Friday. Same day, I love being anal. Had my same cleaning clothes on, had my same outfit, had the same wash rags. I had everything, it was perfect. And the TV was on and it was channel seven. For all of you women out there, if you stay at home, you know what channel seven was. It was the young and the restless, the bold and the beautiful. And then I didn't even watch the third one. I only liked the young and the restless and the bold and beautiful. These are soap operas for you men that are listening. I didn't sit and eat bonbons while I watched these soap operas. But while I was dusting the television, I heard the Lord say, I don't want you to watch this anymore. I want you to turn it off. And I thought, just soap operas, my gosh, it's just busy noise in the background. I'm just living in this, you know, listening. It's just dead space that I'm not doing anything wrong. They're not having sex with each other that you can see. They're not doing this, they're not doing that. But little did I know that my mind and my life was being seeded with the world's view of what relationships should look like. And let me just tell you that if you haven't watched a soap opera for two minutes, it would take you two minutes to find out what's going to happen. Two minutes. They're going to decide they don't like the person they're with and they're going to leave them and get with a new person. That's it. That's it. Everything is about it. They're going to lie to each other. They're going to cheat to steal a business. They're going to forge papers. They're going to be devilish. That's what they're going to do. I thought it was just plain innocence. But the Lord was calling to me knowing that seeds were going inside of me from the world and saying, if you allow these seeds in your mind, you will be conformed to the world's concept of what relations look like. And when your relationship with your husband, we were first years, when your relationship with your husband gets hard, you're going to just jump out and get in a new one. You're just going to think it's as easy as this. I don't like you, so I'm going over here. Well, I don't like you either, so I'm going over here now. It was trying to form what I thought was right. And God knew that if these seeds in me were left unchanged, that they would bring forth and be birthed into my life into true thoughts and true patterns in your mind that accept things. So when I see divorce, when I saw affairs, I'd go, oh, that's no big deal. And God had something different. God knew that I needed to see relationships the way his word saw them. So he said, turn that off. Here's the deal. Was watching soap opera sin? Do I think I would have went to hell for watching soap operas? Absolutely not. 
Now, when God told me to stop watching them, then when I chose to walk in disobedience, now that's an absolute sin. Here's the deal. Those soap operas were a gateway drug to my life that God knew if I don't shut that off, that woman's never gonna believe that I can repair a marriage. She's never gonna believe that you don't get to get out when the getting's hard. That you don't, now hear me out. I understand there are divorces in here and I'm not giving you a hard time about that. I'm saying that there are reasons for divorce. There are true reasons for that. And God will get you through that and he will restore everything that has been done. I'm telling you what the enemy's plan was that I can look back when I was first married at 19 and I can see what the devil's bigger plan was. But God had such a greater plan. So he called me out. He said, Nicole, I'm going to need you to turn that off so you can sanctify yourself. Why? So I can use you my way. My way. Because if the world's in you, how can I fill you? If the world you are conforming to, then how can you do what I've asked you to do? And if you're not clean and you're walking in disobedience because you won't hear me, now I can't use you at all because you're unclean. God's gonna ask us, each and every one of us, every one of us, he will ask us different things to give up. Some of you may be able to watch soap operas your entire life and it may not harm of you. Some of you may be able to smoke and God never tell you to give it up, never. I don't know why that's true. I don't know why. Why would you put something in your body that's impure and not keep your temple to that way? But you know what? God's asked me to give up some things with food and I ain't gave them up yet. I'm still working on it. So what's the difference? Your temple's yours and he's talking to you about what to give up and I've got a temple and he knows what harms that temple Yet I think I know better than he does because I can't resist the temptation of the food going in my mouth. Is there any difference? No. Why? God's asking me. I know the outcome of that. He's asking me to sanctify that I can live long, that I can live quality, that I can run this race as long as I can and do his will and his purpose for my life, that I can be poured into so I can pour out his spirit to others, right? It was a song we were singing, pour your spirit out. Why would he pour his spirit out if he's not gonna fill you? So he can fill you, so why? So you can pour it back out and he can refill you and you can pour it back out. But if what he's trying to fill is already full, he can't fill it. And if what he's trying to pour into is unclean, he can't use it. So he's trying to sanctify that which is you and I story about me. First Thessalonians 4, 3, 8. Let's go there. Enough about me. But I feel like I need to give you true examples that you can understand the process of sanctification and you won't be frustrated with yourself. Don't be frustrated where you are. Accept where you are and choose to move forward. So here's what it says. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God and in the matter 
No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. Doesn't reject, reject what Pastor Nicole's saying doesn't reject what Paul was writing. It says, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit is who you reject. Now, we know that it is necessary that God wants us, wants us to be sanctified. It said it was the very first thing. He wants us to be sanctified. But we see that it's God's will But here's, did you hear what it said? That we would learn how to, it said that we would learn to have control over your own body. Learn. We go to school to learn. And sometimes we don't get it right. That's the teacher's red mark that tells us try again. And then she gives you your paperback and you get a chance to redo those so you can get them right so you'll learn what's being said, right? So we see here that it's God's will that we're sanctified, but it's also that we learn to control our own body. Again, the word learn, it's a process. If everybody learned what they heard the first time, it wouldn't be a process. We'd just learn it and go about and doing it. But notice what it didn't say. It didn't say that we are to control the actions of our neighbor's body. Shucks, shucks, because that's what we want to do, right? We want to make everybody conform to what we conform to. Uh, we we want to say, you know what? God told me to give up soap operas, so he wants you to do the same thing. Randy, stop watching soap operas. I know you're doing it. No, that's not, no, that's not for Randy. God works in a sanctifying process in order to someone's life and what they need and what they can deal with, what he can remove, what he can get to. You know, my my dad said this once to me. I I knew a gentleman that we were attempting to hire. This was years and years ago. And after we took him out to lunch, I said, dad, I said, I'm telling you, this is happening in his life. And it was a sinful behavior. And he said, I know. I said, well, before we hire him, we need to deal with that and take care of it. And dad said to me, Honey, have you ever tried to dig out a splinter when it wasn't ready? I said, yeah. He said, how'd that feel? I said, it felt sore, aggravated, and I didn't even get it. He said, exactly. He said, sometimes there's a process in someone's life and they don't know how to remove that sin and they don't even know it's a big problem yet. He said, we're gonna let that sin come to the top. And when it comes to the top, I'm gonna be there to help. And when I do, I'm going to remove it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's never going to be back. Have you ever had a splinter in your leg? And literally, I had a piece of glass in my knee that took seven years to come out. It went so far. I bent down to pick up a glass that had broke. And when I did, I shoved a piece of glass into my knee. Seven years later, like a pimple, that thing come to the front. I thought, what is that? And I could feel the char on the outside and I popped it and the glass popped right out. Now, what if I'd have been going and digging 
a half an inch into my knee. You think that ever would have come out? Come on. I'd have gotten an infection, inflamed, and painful. But sometimes you and I want to inflict that pain on other people because we see things in their life that we think we're supposed to remove. We're supposed to sanctify them. We're supposed to wash them up. We're supposed to pour some peroxide on it, scrub it out, and get it all clean so that they're ready for the God to come back. No, you, you can't do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to draw it out. So we have to be careful that we're not doing those. And we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to control other people, but control our own actions, our own thoughts, and even our own words. We are to learn how to do that. Learn. Let's turn to Peter, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. We have here a little bit more wisdom coming through here. It says, I'm reading out of the NIV tonight, and if you don't have one, you can follow on the screen. But it says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you, as it called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In other words, Don't go backwards in your process. Don't go back to the things you've let go. Nicole, don't turn those soap operas back on because I've told you that that was bad. But turn towards me. Don't go back to the way that satisfied your own lustful desires. This is where it comes into a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. You know, sometimes I'm 50 I have teenagers, and I'm just going to tell you, parents out there that have young adults, maybe they're adults, and they're still not choosing things that are always right. Let me remind you, you don't know nothing. I can't tell my children what I know because they know everything. They have to learn it on their own. It is not, I can say it, I can tell them, you know what, that, that, that uh, cigarettes, let's just say my kids were smoking, they're not. But I could tell them that is the gateway drug to marijuana and every other source of alcohol. And you know what they would say? No, it's not. No, it's not. They've proven that stupid, mom. Okay, okay. You want to know why? Because they have Google. They have Google. And they can, call, they can call Google and they can look it up and they can determine whether it's smart or not. They can make their own decisions. But there's truth in that. I'm not telling you to let your 16-year-old make choices. I'm not telling you that you should shut up and not say something to your adult children. But I'm telling you that you also should not cast your pearls before a swine. And there's a time that your children are open to hear what you have to say, and there are times that they are not. And there are some things in life. I could tell my daughter about my soap opera. Ability, not my daughter does not watch soap operas, but I could say that to her, and she would go, what, Huh? because it doesn't confirm to her culture. It doesn't matter to her. There's gonna be these little foxes in her life that the Holy Spirit's gonna look at her and say, you see that right there? Don't do that no more. And she's gonna go, but why? But why? I like that. I'm allowed to do that. And God's gonna go, yeah, no, you're not. 
And she's going to wonder why everyone else gets to do that, but she doesn't. Because God knows how she was created. He knows what her weakness is. He knows what the devil has laid in a snare for her. Because he does not lead us into temptation. He warns us when temptation is around the corner. Because he knows the enemy's plots and his schemes. And that's how he provides a way of escape for you and I. He does know about everything. He doesn't know what you're going to choose in that moment. So he makes a way of escape for you just in case you choose to do what's wrong. And if you you do, then he provides a way of escape through the Savior and says all you need to do is look to the cross, drop a knee, just repent, ask God to forgive you and start over tomorrow. That's what we do. We don't live in our past. We don't live in our yesterdays. We step out and we keep sanctifying. We keep stepping one step further close to holiness every single day because we want to be holy because he is holy. Amen. We have to protect the process of sanctification. We have to keep choosing what is right. Keep choosing, even though sometimes we fail. Implore the Holy Spirit's help. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the one that is giving grace. Grace, listen, grace is the ability to do for you what you can't do for yourself. So you think, I can never say no to cigarette. I can never say no to weed. I've been on weed since I was a teenager. I can't say no to a good smoke. I just have to have it for my brain to feel normal. No, you don't. No, you don't. Choose right. Choose right and choose God's way. Don't put anything in your body that changes who you are. Don't put anything in your mind that eats your brain cells. Let me tell you something. We got enough of that going on. We don't need to be smoking. We need to be smoking Jesus. We need to be smoking his word. We need to be smoking what the healer can deliver. That marijuana that you're smoking that you think is going to make your day better at work? No, it's not. No, it's not. This is going to make you better at work. His word is going to heal you. His word is going to cleanse you. His word is going to sanctify you. All drug or any type of addiction of any sort is going to do is dull your senses to be aware of what the enemy is doing. And slowly by slowly, he takes you away. Slowly by slowly, you just get further and further and further and you go back to the ways of the world until now you're completely addicted to the ways of the world and you're conformed. Jesus won't dull your pain. He'll remove it. Jesus won't just cover the pain. He'll deal with the hurt. That's who Jesus is. Any type of drug is a temporary fix in our lives. It's not meant to heal us. It's meant to buy you time till you can get your brain about yourself and do what God wants. We don't need earthly ways to take care of a godly matter. Amen. Amen. I heard this said. This is very important. Sanctification is such a big word. But in a nutshell, this is what it means. So for me, sometimes I just have to listen to something a couple times to hear it. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace. His ability to do for you what you can't do for yourself. It's free. It's for all of us. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace motivated by the Holy Spirit whereby we are renewed in our whole man, made new, renovated, changed from the old way to the new way. In the image of God, and you and I are enabled, God's grace, his enablement, not my work, more and more 
to die to sin and live unto righteousness. God's grace comes into our lives. I didn't deserve it. I didn't ask for it. He gave it to me willingly, comes in and says, I'm going to rework you. I'm going to remake you. I'm going to transform you into the image of my son. This is what you're going to look like when I'm done. All because my enablement is going to allow you to say, nope, I'm not doing that today. Nope, that's not who I want to be. God says, this is who I'm going to be. So today I say no to you and I choose right. Because see, our inward righteousness, because Christ went to the cross, he made us righteous. I'm not right. I didn't do it perfect, but he did. And because he did it right, now I'm righteous on the inside. But on the outside, I got to get my flesh to line up with my inward man. I got to say no to some things that I don't want to say no to. I got to say yes to the surrender that I need to say yes to. You see? But if I don't, then my outward man gets to stay like a devil. And my inward man is different from what I say. And I tell people, no, I'm saved. But yet my outward man is still acting like a devil. You see? They got to line up. Sometimes it takes time for our outward man to catch up with what our inner man really feels and what's been bought and what's been purchased for us. Don't be hard on yourself. Stay in the process. Stay in the process week by week, day by day. Maybe it's month by month. You can only get to church month by month and you're trying to read and you don't understand it. You don't know what it is. You're like, I just got to ask somebody in the church. Okay, month by month then. It's a process. Don't hate the process and don't hate anyone in the process. Love them, help them, spur them along in the faith. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. That's where we're going. We're gonna talk about, how many of you were at prayer on Saturday? Anybody at prayer on Saturday? Okay, a couple of you. So you might hear, you might have heard some of this. I couldn't believe. Um, by the way, pastor's voice is gone. That's why I'm called to preach tonight. I just want you to know, it's not that he didn't want to be with you. His voice is gone. Ashley's voice was gone Monday and Tuesday. She got hers back. And a couple other of them, just a little raspy. I was supposed to pick a girl up tonight. She's sick tonight. So it, it's just, a, there's a lot of people out, but that's why dad's not here tonight. Okay, 220. Here's what it says. 20 and 21. Where am I out? Trying to find my, oh, I'm in Thessalonians. That's why. Second Timothy. Got to get there. Okay. And I even have a little green tab and still couldn't find it. All right, here we go. It says, in a large house, there are, our, oh, you know what? Let me read this off the screen because it's KJV and I want to read it because it uses a specific word. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. Next. If a man therefore purge himself from these, meaning just clean himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Here's what I want to remind and bring out tonight. God wants to use us as his vessels. But in order to use us, we have to be empty of all of our own thoughts. We have to empty ourselves. Remember the message I taught on the Garden of Gethsemane. 
I explained to you how Jesus went into the garden where he prayed and he wrestled and he began being pressed, meaning his spirit and his flesh. His flesh was being pressed out and his spirit had to raise to the occasion to do what God had asked him to do, right? But Jesus was emptying himself so that he could be filled with the master's plan. You and I are the same way. We have to lose our own agenda. We have to lose our own plan. We have to lose what I watched on Fridays, the soap operas. I had to give up maybe listening to secular music. There's some of you that maybe that doesn't affect. For me, I had the gift of music. I could not listen to secular music and it not put thoughts into my mind. I couldn't do it. I'm not allowed to do that. God's told me I'm not allowed to do that. You won't find me doing it. There are certain movies I will never watch. It's not because I believe you're going to go to hell if you watch them. I cannot watch them. They create a spirit of fear inside of me. But yet I can watch Forensic Files before I go to bed because it's a true story and it doesn't bother me a bit. I don't understand. God's never asked me to give them up. If he does, I will. If he does, I will. There is nothing in my life he cannot have. Nothing. Nothing. And it's a place of surrender. That's a part of sanctification. Is saying, you tell me and I'll remove it. So that I can be set apart for your use. And when you call on me, I will be prepared to be used by you. Pour into me whatever you want and I will pour it out. Pour into me your strength. Pour into me your anointing. Pour into me your power. Pour into me your delivering message. I will pour it out because I am a vessel that can be used by you. You and I, this vessel that they're talking about in 2 Timothy, the silver and gold, they were used for special occasions. You're God's special occasion person. You're God's special occasion. When the company comes down the street and he sees who's coming, he goes, oh, but there is Chuck. And Chuck's my special man and he's empty. He's ready to be filled. I'm gonna fill him. And I know when those people walk by him, he's gonna pour out the salvation message and they're gonna come to Jesus. He's pulling out the good silverware. He's pulling out the good utensils, the ones that are made of gold and silver that are vessels of honor because he knows you'll bring the glory to him. How many of you have heard of Bob Rogers? Anybody heard about? Okay, he's an older gentleman. He was in our church years and years ago when I was a wee little girl. I remember that he was a man that saw angels all the time. He had so many stories. I would just sit and just listen to the stories about these angels that he would tell. And one day he told the story that he was in his living room He was in his recliner watching television. And he knew there was an angel at his right side and there was another angel behind him that would not frequent all the time, but was present this day. And all of a sudden, the television went to a commercial and there was a commercial on television. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. And he said immediately he saw it from the corner of his eye, it was gone. So the next day in prayer, he began seeking the Lord and he said, God, why did my angel leave just like that? I mean, just gone. 
And the Lord spoke to him and he said, they can't watch what you just watched. And he said, then I shouldn't watch it. He said, you're right. Now, he'd become so sensitive to the spirit that he had identified that angelic beings could not be in the presence of something that was not okay. And so they left the room and didn't come back. There are things that you and I do that quench the Holy Spirit, that quench his presence in our lives, and we don't even realize it. We may not be dealing with adultery. We may not be dealing with drugs. We may not be dealing with coveting our neighbor's wife. We may not be murderers. I understand that. But there are things in every one of our lives that God wants to get to, that he wants to put heat on our lives. Pressure, trial and tribulation brings all this stuff. You ever heard about how gold is made? How gold, gold is a precious metal, but it's not pure. You wonder why you have 10 carat, 14 carat, 24 carat? I'll tell you why. It's the amount of nasty metal that's still in it. You can put a 24 carat diamond gold band on your hand and I can squeeze your hand and crush it. But you can wear a 10 carat gold ring and I can squeeze it and I can't. You know why? It's got less precious metal in it. So what happens is when God refines us, when he puts the heat on, I know we don't like that heat, do we? We don't like to be put under pressure to choose what is right. But the Holy Spirit puts that fire in our life and begins to refine us and make us better. Kind of like Pastor Randy was talking about the sea glass, right? In a rock tumbler that the ocean washes its hard spots away and gets it all smooth and brings it to its beauty. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. He's refining us. He's heating us up. But listen to what they do. After they heat the gold, the dirt comes to the top. It's called dross. And the maker scrapes it off the top and disposes of it. Why? Because now the gold becomes pure. God's looking for you and I to become pure. Sanctify a little bit more. And just when you think you've got it, oh no, here comes some more dirt from the bottom. He's like, yep, got to get that off, got to get that off. But sometimes, you know, when you squeeze an orange and you squeeze it so hard, what comes out of an orange? Juice. Well, sometimes when you squeeze a Christian, what's really inside of us comes out, right? Sometimes those vengeful words, those vengeful thoughts, they just slip out because we're being squeezed. Someone did something wrong to us. Somebody said something nasty. Somebody ticked us off. And then all of a We've been squeezed. God's looking through that trial, through that tribulation, through that pressure, that that dirt comes up from the bottom and he just scrapes it off. And you become one more pure. You went from 10 carat, you went from 10 carat to 14 carat. Some of us got to go from 14 carat to 24 carat. We're all in the process. But I don't dislike you because you're only 10 carat or 14 carat. And I think more highly of myself than I ought. We're all at different stages. I close tonight with 2 Corinthians 7.1. Small groups are going to love me. I'm right on their time schedule. I got in trouble last week. I let out a little too early the week before. I know. I got to keep you in here for 45 minutes so they have enough time. 2 Corinthians 7.1. And I'm going to read this to you out of the NLT tonight. 
I have a NIV and an NLT together, and then I use um, pastor, dad, purchased me a wisdom Bible, and that's my KJV Bible. And so I read with all three of them out every day, but I thought this was very well said. Here's what it says. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward, forward, complete holiness because we fear God. I'm not afraid of God or what God will do to me if I don't live a righteous life. I'm afraid of being separated from him for eternity. I'm afraid of being separated him for one choice that I have to make on my own that I might not make right. I remember Moses in the word, he said, God, if you go with me, I'll go. I don't want to go one step where he's not. And the only way that I verify that he's with me is that I am pure and I am clean and I'm obedient. I'm just available to you, God. Let me go where you go. And if you need me, I'll be present. And you can pour your oil in me. Pour your spirit out on me. Fill me so I can pour out and fill others. Stand to your feet. For those of you that would like to go further, you can go back and read 2 Kings. I shared it on Saturday. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, 1 through 7, story of the woman who had lost her husband and the prophet told her to go get all the vessels that she could fill. I don't believe in that story that the oil ever stopped pouring out. I believe they ran out of vessels. I believe God's spirit is pouring out on this earth today. I believe his bottle is tipped and I believe he's trying to fill every vessel that he can use. But because of a lack of empty and clean vessels, we're where we are today. The only thing we can do is purify ourselves. Father, we just come before you tonight. And God, we thank you. Jehovah Mekedesh, my sanctification. Jehovah Mekedesh, my sanctifier. Father, for it's a work that I cannot do in my life. No one here present can do. Father, when you gave us salvation, you sanctified us that day. You justified us. And we began the process of sanctification, the process of becoming holy. God, I ask you to continue that process in us. God, if we've taken ourselves out of the sanctification process, God, tonight we choose to get back in. Father, we choose to self-reflect. Holy Spirit, have your way. Talk to us, speak to us, correct us and direct us that we could empty ourselves of the things of this world that are still trying to conform us. God, that we would become completely emptied of ourselves. And clean us up, God. Purify our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, God, that we could be used by you at your will 
God, when you call, we will be ready. When you need us, we will serve. God, when you ask us to share, we will share. Teach us, God. Help us to learn to control our own body and its members. Father, for we surrender our life to you. And we choose to be holy because you are holy. We thank you, Lord, for the word that you brought forth. God, keep us safe throughout the weekend. Lord, I just thank you that we pray right now for Friday. We pray for Sunday morning. We pray for Sunday morning, 10 a.m. service. And Father, right now, we just call forth salvation. We call forth the lost from the north, the south, the east, and the west. People that have been hurt, that are not going to church. Father, I just thank you, God, that right now, their hearts would be drawn to you. Father, that people that haven't been walking in church in 15 years would recommit on Sunday. Father, I thank you that they would find love for you again. I thank you that you said you would draw amen unto you. God, you said you prepare the sinner's heart. Father, right now as we pray, we begin to intercede and thank God for those sinners that are being prepared. Their hearts are being drawn right now to the kingdom and to your work. Father, that their hopelessness, Father, they would come here and find hope in Jesus. Father, I thank you that the blinders would be taken off of their eyes. Father, I thank you that they would be able to hear things differently, not through the spirit of offense, but through the spirit of love. God, the love, the love that went to the cross and bought their life, that redeemed them, Father, and purchased them from a life separated from you. Father, I thank you that every day, Father, you would bring us in the pathway of someone that needs you. God, that we would be able to hear it and invite them to church, Father. For this is your week, a holy week, a holy week. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, look at that, 815. You're welcome, small groups. On the money. Have a good night, church. I love you. We'll see you on Friday night. Don't forget you to come four to eight.